Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston. I have always been a big believer in the power of stories, and that's what this show is all about. When we tell our stories, we pass along life lessons and wisdom. In the spotlight, two women who believe that it is so important to tell stories that matter. And they are doing it through their new theater company, whose mission is to educate, entertain, and promote the arts and culture in every form for all ages, not just in Massachusetts, but beyond. And they call it Punctuate Four Productions. Miriam Sear and Patricia Jamison have been acting and singing and writing and producing. Their resumes are so long, well, they could just fall off the table that I'm sitting at. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Oh, Thank you so very nice much. to meet you. How did you come up with the name Punctuate for Productions? Art interrupts, right? Art is a punctuation in our lives, in all lives. When you're writing, to punctuate is to tell people where to breathe. And breath is spirit and breath is life. That's how we came up with the name Punctuate for. How do we punctuate our landscape? our emotional landscape, our humanity, and who we are as human beings. 2018 was a very big year because Punctuate 4 Productions was launched. Tell me how the two of you came together. And I know there are two other women who are involved as well. Yes, there are. I actually auditioned for Miriam. That was my first introduction to Miriam Sear years ago. I auditioned for her for The Sound of Music, I think it was. And She um, was my mother's superior. Yes. <laughs> Miriam, your story is so inspiring. You are a poet laureate, a writer, an author, an award-winning actress, and you have developed 20 new plays since 2014. Do you eat or sleep? Do you have time to do either? I do my best. I have three children, and they're actually my priority. So it's really my get-out-of-jail-free card art. So it keeps my sanity going. So I love it. What do you love best? Or is it hard to choose? Actually, it's not hard to choose. I am very blessed that I had a fantastic acting career, one you can really only dream of. And I've been lucky enough to grace most of the stages of the world. A few years back, I wrote a book. I was being interviewed by a Boston journalist. Uh, he said to me as often happens, oh, I have a play I wrote. I was wondering if you'd agree to read it. I politely said yes, read it, and fell in love with it. I met with him and I said, this is a really neat play. Let's see if we can find you a director and find you a producer. And ultimately, I said, why don't I direct this? I think I really found my calling, really a, a passion for it, because when you're a director, you bring together all these different voices, the costume designer, the set designer, the actors. You create this terrible thing called a vision. It's the bringing together of all these creative forces. And it's funny because I thought, oh, I'm going to be so jealous. I'm going to see them all up on stage and I'm going to say, move over. I want to be there. And the opposite happened. I realized how much I love to see young actors discover new paths and succeed and shine. 
I have loved every moment of this journey. And what's exciting to us is that the people who come to us are passionate and they do this out of an amazing need to express themselves. And so in a funny way, it made me fall in love with theater all over again. And from there, my career has started in New York. I'm going to London very soon to do a reading with big British stars uh, over a show I developed in New York. And so from the North Shore of Massachusetts and strong women, my three formidable and extraordinary partners, this kind of plethora of amazing things are happening. Do you think that you are a better director because you are also an actress? Oh, absolutely. I think that I'm able to to feel as actors feel. And so I'm able to direct in a way that's very organic. And in a funny way, I'm very precise. I'm extremely demanding, which is interesting for some actors. But the results are always everyone's in the same play. And I think that's sometimes hard to achieve. And I'm also lucky enough having spent most of my career in Europe, that I'm familiar with all different kinds of styles, not only the American way of acting, mm. but I think I bring to the table a kind of a, a general knowledge that goes beyond these borders. And also because I've performed in different languages, that informs the type of work we do. Mary Poppins Returns is a box office smash here in 2019. And you have had a love affair with the original story of Mary Poppins for many years. You were even nominated as Best Director by Broadway World for your production of Mary Poppins. What is it about that story that resonates for generations to come? Mary Poppins is an extraordinary story. And what makes her so special is that she brings that wonderful tension between rigor and magic. And it's within that tension that human beings can thrive. We live in a society where it's like, follow your bliss, do what you want, feel good about yourself, which is all true. But to really, truly achieve that, there are those kind of go-to places like discipline and rigor. And that goes not only into art, but it goes into our everyday life. And adversity is a great teacher, isn't it? That's what my dad used to say. You are an accomplished actress with loads of experience on stage, including a role opposite Al Pacino at the Royal National Theater. Can you tell us about that experience? Al Pacino has to be one of the greatest actors I've ever worked with. And I've been very blessed. I've worked with really amazing actors. And I had dinner with him not too, too long ago. And I want to share something he said, which I just felt is such a profound truth. He was being interviewed afterwards. It was for the showing of a movie he had done 20 years ago, directed by a a mutual friend, Hugh Hudson, who did Chariots of Fire. Someone asked him in the audience, what's the secret of acting? And he said, make it personal. And that's what he does. And I think that's what makes him have a cut above the rest. And I think that it's one of the greatest acting tips But I also think in terms of any kind of art or anything you do in life, make it personal. Patricia, it is your turn. You are now (laughs) in the spotlight as we get to know the two of you. You fell in love with theater as a very young child, creating plays in your attic in New Jersey. Tell me about that story. 
I did. I was one of six children, and I had a mother who had always wanted to be an actress, but in those days, you couldn't do that. That wasn't on the short list of you can be a mom, you can be a teacher, and you can be a nurse. It was not the thing to do. I think probably with her inspiration, we created a theater in the attic of our home. My brothers did the lights and the sets and that sort of thing. So that was from a very young age, and all the neighbors would come, and we'd sell little tickets and things like that. So that was the start of it. And then I just did it throughout school and watched my mother do it when we both together went back to theater after she had raised her six children. Then kind of did the same myself after I raised my five children, went back into theater 30 years later. In fact, 2011 was a really big year for you. You returned to the theater. Was it a yearning that you had? I really thought I was done with it. Five kids and life is busy. And I didn't even think about theater much during that time. And then it was my mother who had moved back to this area who got back into theater herself. And my daughter, kind of like I did, who kind of pushed me to go audition for a show. And it was a, it was Little Women. And I auditioned and I got a call back and I was shocked. And all of a sudden I rediscovered this thing that I love because it's you become a part of a family every time that you become a part of a cast. And so it's a wonderful opportunity to meet new people and learn new things and and also mentor others, you know, younger cast members and things like that. You have acted in many productions. What have been your favorite roles? You just mentioned Little Women. Anything else that comes to mind? I would have to say anything that I did with Miriam Sear. (laughs) She is, first of all, an actor's director. I've never worked with any other director who pays as much attention to actors. And that's a very unusual thing to do, which sounds odd, but it really is unusual. And the other thing is I've never met anyone who has this creative spark and thought process. And I will will use the example of Mary Poppins. That was one of my favorite roles to work on with Miriam was Mrs. Banks. When we first talked about the rights were going to be released for this, and at the time we were working in a fairly small theater, and we sort of all said, oh, well, we could never do Mary Poppins. Miriam immediately spoke up and said, oh, yes, we could. And we looked at her like she was crazy. And she immediately at that instant started to spell out this vision of how you could do this with no flying, with lights and silhouettes. And the entire production was so incredibly magical, unusual, creative, still one of the most creative things I've ever seen. And other people have said the same For us in this production company and Punctuate 4, we just feel like we're so fortunate that Miriam happened to move to this area because we get a chance to work with that creative spark all the time. You have acted on stage for HBO, on film, but you say that live theater is your favorite. Absolutely. Why? What happens when you step out on that stage? Well, you have this immediate relationship with the other cast members, but you also have this energy from the the audience that is unlike anything you can do when you're doing film or perhaps even radio, unless it's live call in radio. There is something about that energy. And I also actually, I love the process of preparing for it as much as I do the actual stage itself. This may sound odd, but when things don't go as planned, there's a bizarre excitement about, okay, how are we going to deal with this? And when you figure it out, it's really quite exciting. It's not that you want to have to deal with that all the time, but... And I think also that there's a certain vulnerability that happens, whether you're an actor on a stage or whether you're an air personality on the radio and something goes wrong. It is that that people remember the most, isn't it? Because you have to reveal a little bit of yourself in order to get past it. You've raised your five children. You have all these entrepreneur projects with your husband along the way. And with each chapter, I believe there is a lesson. From that entrepreneur piece of your life, what did you bring 
with you to punctuate for? I think I brought a way of one of my children I describe this way as someone who sees no brick walls. Once I set my mind to something, it is going to happen. And a lot of times other people around me can't see that and get fearful. One of the things I've learned from entrepreneurship is that this concept of failing forward, that you do have to fail to succeed. And failure is a really good thing. It's not a really bad thing. And you shouldn't, it'll be discouraging, but don't let it keep you down because you will learn from it. It's really a mindset. And I'm so blessed to feel that I have learned that because it is something you use your whole life entrepreneurship, and then becoming a producer, putting your producer hat on, which means you have to sell the idea to obtain investors in the production and the creative process. Believe in us. Tell me what that's like for you. I kind of fell into producing because I really thought I liked being on stage. And similar to Miriam's description of being a director, I found that I really loved putting together the whole piece. I think we as a company have distinguished ourselves and and our two other partners are the same way, that we have a commitment to a level of excellence that we hold each other to, but it's not a hard thing to do because we all are committed to that and we're very passionate about it. We like to do everything we can to the best possible trajectory that we can. Producing is the master controller of all of that, putting all the pieces together. It's a lot of work. But I found that I really enjoy it, and I find it very satisfying. And and I can sit back and say, oh, it's okay. I'm not on stage. I I don't need to be doing this. I'm doing other things that really make a difference. But the key to all of this is being passionate. We do projects that I really believe in. Personally, I know that I'm that kind of person. I have to believe in something to really be committed to it. And that has been the case with the work that we've done together as partners. Tell me about the two other partners. So one of our partners is actually an architect by profession. She has her own graphic design and architecture business now. She does all of our visual design. She does all of our graphic design. She works with us with costumes and with set design Mm. and all that sort of thing. And she is also a very good out-of-the-box creative thinker. So she'll always come up with a different way of looking at things. And one more person. And then the other person is, I call her our ace in the hole. Yes, she really is. She is a media person. She is our publicist. She just knows that landscape like nobody. In fact, I first reached out to her because I was in a small community theater company for a production uh, many years ago. Because of her, I saw this company that was out in the middle of nowhere, just didn't have much of a reputation, but they were all over the place media-wise. I mean, their publicity was incredible. And when I finally was in one of their productions, had a chance to meet her, I knew she was the magic. I reached out to her and, and that's kind of how we've maintained and what's her relationship. name her name is linda greenstein oh i've heard that name yes i'll bet you yes, have. <laughs> she, she's a, she's amazing she and amazing. you know what really mm-hmm. also brings us together is we're all mothers so we all give each other space around our children yeah. we all put our children first in ourselves but we're always very understanding when there's a dentist appointment or there's something <laughs> else that needs to happen and It has made such a difference. We've developed a way of working together that's extremely efficient. And, you know, we're always moving the ball forward. We don't always agree. No. And And that's okay. That's okay. And we, we do work it out. I mean, sometimes to someone from the outside, they might think, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? We know. In fact, I think they do. Yeah. (laughs) But we know. We work it out. We know that we all have the same goals in mind at the end. And we all take a breath and 
respect each other. And, and yes, and works. we're stronger together because we disagree. Right. And because we, we force ourselves to view things from different points of views. And it's very enriching. Mm-hmm. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Almazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. It's really about forging a relationship and having a trusting relationship because your technology is very personal to you. It used to be in the old days that things were private. When you're online, nothing is private anymore. And we want to make sure that that information is kept confidential and with somebody that you trust and you feel comfortable with. You can trust Tech Help Boston to keep your computer and systems running right. Call 781-484-1265 or visit techhelpboston.com. That's techhelpboston.com. You are also a casting director, Patricia. How do you know when someone is right for a role? Is it intuition? Is it an emotion that happens, a connection that you see? How do you know? First and foremost, talking over with the director what they're looking for. And obviously, the director has the most say in casting. I think a lot of my job in doing casting is reaching out and bringing in the people that we want to come before us. I would say a lot of it is intuition. I know I think with Miriam, it's a similar thing. When you have something in mind, you know if you're going to see it or not. There are times that we will see someone and we don't like the way they've chosen to interpret something. And we will ask Miriam, we'll ask them to do it a different way. One of the keys, and we have cast off this, can that person make the change? Yes. A lot of times they can't. Talk to me a little bit about that. Would you, Miriam? Like when you see someone and she's maybe put a whole room of people together. You've given them, uh, you know, a scene. How do you know? You know the minute they walk through the door. They don't even have to open their mouths. It is unbelievable how true that maxim is. And then once you establish that this person has presence and something to offer, the key is to offer them what we call an adjustment to see if they can respond. In America, typically... People come in and it's in, out, in, out. Do your shtick, leave. Do your shtick, leave. And then you take copious notes. But in Europe, it's very different. First of all, a lot less people audition. They audition through invitation. You sit with the director and you'll discuss the play. You'll discuss your vision of the play. You'll spend some time with the person because being in a play means that you're going to be in a family. Another thing that's really typical here is that actors never hear back. They come in, they come out, and as far as they know, they don't know that they've never been cast, only by when the cast list gets published on Facebook. And I've always insisted that we let everyone know that we make it very personal, that it's either a phone call. Very affirmative. Yes, and an email. And I always give a comment to say how wonderful, because everybody has something to offer. Sometimes it's just not what we need at the present time. I have to say that even if I know as they've come through the door that they are not right for what I need at the moment, I will take the time to work with them. So it makes auditioning process long. Long. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think it's worth it because having been an actor myself, I know how you feel when you walk into some place. So vulnerable. Putting yourself right out there. It's such a courageous act. Yes. And so you want to uh, feel appreciated and validated in the work you've done and the, in the time you've spent working on these pieces of paper that have been sent out to you via email. You and had just mentioned the word presence. And I wanted to ask you both, what is star power? What is it? I had the pleasure of going to dinner with Princess Diana. Now, it has to be said, I was not alone. We were like 100 <laughs> in the room. Of all the times I've had been in the presence of stars, she arrived and literally you felt like the waters parted. It is extraordinary. And I believe that the more the limelight is on you, the more you start to expand. And when you look at her, this fledgling little 18-year-old that didn't know how to work the media or the camera, and the transformation from that to princess, but not just princess to the throne of England, but princess to, to the, the world. world. And I also can say that having been in the spotlight, you do expand your aura. And then when the spotlight, because I chose to become a mom and really wanted to do that over my career, that kind of aura retracts a little bit. So it's a, it's a give and take situation. You know, I, I have to disagree. And you're smiling in the same, <laughs> in the same way, Patricia. I am. You have <laughs> a certain aura about you. From the moment that I walked through our studio door to welcome you here, there's a certain light in your eyes. There's a certain energy about you. You're agreeing with me, Absolutely. Patricia. And we laugh about it in the company amongst us all the time. We call it the Miriam factor. I don't even know if Miriam knows we say this, but no. you know, when she tells us about someone she met or some chance meeting and we're like, oh, wow, they got the Miriam factor because we know they're just tied in now and they're excited and enthusiastic. And <laughs> Your first production for Punctuate 4 was about the Salem witch trials. It was hugely successful. Tell me about the play, the message, the importance of this story. We love this story. If you're from New England, of course, the whole topic of the Salem witch trials is always a big one. This is a story that most people have not heard, and that is about Nathaniel Saltonstall, who was a magistrate, was a judge in the Haverhill Court, a very respected man for his kind of Solomon-like wisdom. And he was called to the court in Salem because they needed more judges. They had so many people that were being accused of witchcraft. He went to the court feeling that he was really going to be among the wisest men in the entire Bay Colony. Come to find out, he was quite disillusioned when he got there with the way they were holding the witch trials and witnesses not being allowed to be cross-examined and all of the treatment that they were given. Long story short is that he recused himself after one day in the court, went on to fight this battle himself personally. His life was kind of ruined by it. He was accused of being a witch, but he did in the end halt some of the proceedings of the court. So it's an amazing story that yeah. has not been told enough about all that went on during that time. This story is as much a family story as it is a historical story. It starts in a court in Haverhill, Massachusetts, where Nathaniel Saltonstall practiced. It brings us to the trial itself, 
And there he meets his arch enemy called Stoughton. And Judge Stoughton was the head judge of all the Salem witch trials. And the two of them are really going to go against each other. And the story is really about these two men and how they view women completely differently and the respect one gave to the accused versus the lack of respect the other gave. But the point of the story is what is truth? You are at the Larkham Theater, one of my favorite <laughs> theaters of all time. Such a sweet theater, a great stage. And the production is called First Night, a Romantic Comedy. Let's talk about that. It is so fun. The Larkham was built in 1912. It is a Broadway space. And I have to say it has one of the best acoustics on the East Coast of America. It is a jewel. It is unknown. It used to, for many, many years, house a magic show called the Grand David and Cesario. It has recently been bought by this wonderful young couple who are trying to make a go of it and create theater. So I met Donnie and Lisa very recently. I happened to go see this show called First Night because my Mary Poppins was in it. And my Henry Higgins from My and Fair Lady, and Bert from My Fair Lady. It's a two-hander. I thought it was the funniest, most heartwarming, hopeful. Oh, we so need this! I called Donnie and I said, "You have got to come see this. I know you don't know me, but I'm gonna drag you there." Off Donnie went to see this in the middle of a blizzard just before Christmas. And he agreed with me and we said, you know what, we're going to take a chance. You know, they're not known. The piece is not known. Nothing is known about it. But it is so funny and so fun and so heartwarming that we have to bring it to the Larkhams. So I called my indomitable partners and said, we're doing this. And they said, OK. So we're really working everything from the ground up. And we're very much hoping that people will come so quickly. The story is of this young man who's maybe in his beginning 30s who works in a video shop and he's only ever loved one woman, which is his childhood sweetheart, unbeknownst to her, in the eighth grade when they both kneeled side by side over a casket during catechism class. Both fell in love with each other, but neither of them ever had the courage to say anything all these years later, on a fateful night, in comes the love of his life, except that now she's Sister Meredith. And so what happens afterwards is just so wonderful and just gives you hope in humanity. And I just feel we need a little joy and a little hope. And it's just perfect for the Valentine's Day season. And they're extraordinary. They're really great, great talents. And so we teamed up with Acting Out, who's a local production company, the Larkham, us at Punctuate 4. And we couldn't be more excited to bring this show. Starting your own production company takes a lot of courage. And as you said, Patricia, you have to be brave and you need a lot of passion. You're entrepreneurs. That's what you are in doing this. What is the hope for Punctuate 4 Productions? We would like to become, well, first of all, a seal of excellence. So if our name is on something, people know they'll be entertained, they'll have a good time, but also become a haven for artists who don't always have the chance to show what they're really capable of. 
We want to be a place of safety, of creativity. We want to be welcoming. We want to be a home to the little guy, the little gal, and also help climb and become better known so it will give us access to greater funding as a not-for-profit to really tell stories that matter. Last couple questions I ask everyone who sits where the two of you are, and I'd love to hear your answers individually. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? For me, it really is just a mindset. I don't look at it and stop. I look at it and say, okay, how can we go at this from another direction? Honestly, so far, that has always seemed to work. There is another direction. It will involve talking with other people. It will involve reaching out to other connections. I love to connect people to each other. There's usually another way to look at it to get you past whatever that temporary obstacle is. Patricia, thank you. What about you, Miriam? When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? For me, obstacle spells opportunity. And so obstacle is a way to grow, to redefine, readjust. Obstacle is one of the most exciting words in the English language for me. You both mentioned the importance in this production company, Punctuate Four, for all four founders that you're moms. What is mother love? Completely sacrificial. As a mother, any, I think any mother, any father would understand this. It's a love that you can hardly compare to anything else. It's kind of indescribable. It's not something that will ever go away once it happens. From the moment you have that first child or adopt that first child or choose to love a child or whatever it may be, you've made a commitment to put that child's interest before your own. I think Patricia says it perfectly. You cannot compare it to any other love. And you become a lioness. You become a, a lion. You become everything you need to be to make sure that your children will be safe. And I think that the goal is always to make them happy, well-adjusted, balanced human beings. What do you wish you knew way back when? Can you talk to your 21-year-old self? What do you wish you knew that you've learned through life, through wisdom? What has been the lesson for you? I would say just not to worry about the little stuff. <laughs> I wish I, you know, I wish I had the wisdom then that I have now to realize that much of it is about mental attitude, mental fortitude, how you look at life. Things generally will work out just to not get so kind of worried about the little stuff. And don't worry about what other people think so much. How about you, Miriam? I think I would tell myself, I really don't know as much as I think. I would tell myself not to worry too much, that the universe will take care of me. You know what I would say to myself, though? As a young actress, being just an actor is, I think, very limiting. I would have wanted to know what I know now. I would have wanted to tap into my entrepreneurship as a 21-year-old. I would have wanted to know that, in fact, I shouldn't let life happen to me. I should make life happen. Success means different things to different people in different chapters of their lives. In the chapter that you are in right now, how do you measure success? For me, I think it's about several things. One is that you are on the trajectory that you hoped to be with our production company, that we are moving ahead, that we are doing 
the work that we want to do, that we are being perceived as a company that values excellence, that values people, that likes to bring in a wide network of people to be partners with us in the work that we do. And I think we are achieving that. Personally, for me, it's about family and relationships, that those are healthy for your children, that they are moving forward. All of our kids are entrepreneurs like us, so that it's a joy to see that happening. Finally, for you, Miriam. Success means ensuring that my children become good citizens of the world in whatever field they will choose to do, that their contributors, our thinkers, know that they are loved, know that they matter, and that there is nothing too small or too great that they cannot accomplish, and that the beauty of life is in the little things, not the big things. So that every time you fold a towel, fold a t-shirt, it is a love letter to yourself and that you need to be able to garner joy from that just as much as being on TV or on the radio or being interviewed by extraordinary interviewers such as yourself. Thank you so much. Punctuate 4 Productions is the story of four women come together for mothers, for brave souls, for entrepreneurs, and for friends. Thank you so much for being my guest today on the story behind her success. Thank you, Candy. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives, We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?